<clears throat> so, after a, another short hiatus, I am back. I am 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast. We are back tonight for a little bit of recap of what the NFL has dubbed Super Wild Card Weekend. And it was super, super, super. Before we get into it, uh, I said I was going to be back Monday to talk about the Dallas Cowboys or specifically to cast the Dallas Cowboys game against Tampa Bay. I had said that I had was going to have to do some personal stuff this weekend and I was I was just not going to feel up for the podcast this weekend. And um, it's just like, you know, when it rains and it pours, I'll just get straight to the point. The reason why I didn't podcast yesterday was because on Sunday, my grandfather passed. And so over the last couple of days, me and my family, specifically my family, not really me, but uh, my family has kind of been preparing for his funeral on Friday. I There won't be a podcast on Friday as well uh, for that same reason. And I think, I think I'll just kind of skip the weekend as well. I think I'll just take the weekend off as well. But I will be back next Monday, and it's looking like the schedule will probably be Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, and then I'll see you back here once again on Monday of next week. Thank God that there's not another, what is it, like another playoff Monday night football game. The NFL should just move, I, I know it's Monday night football, but they should just move the Monday night football bracket to Sunday and Saturday, it's it's a bit obnoxious to have a Monday night football game in the playoffs, but I will speak on the playoffs here. My my voice is I th- like I I coughed this horrendous cough like an hour an hour ago or something like that, and my so my throat was sore. So I'm drinking a little bit of tea here, but um, I'm back. And I'm excited to talk about football today. And I think we'll start off the podcast, we'll, th- we'll start off the show with talking about the Dallas Cowboys' absolutely monumental win last night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it was a big win. It was a huge win. For multiple different reasons. First and foremost, from the standpoint of the Dallas Cowboys, where... A lot of the narratives that came out for this weekend was, Ooh, Dallas is going to lose today. Dallas is going to lose on Monday to Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Any and all statistic where Dallas was the loser in was quoted. I remember seeing the statistic of Dallas on turf versus Dallas off of turf. They have a losing record this season. They are 1-4 off of turf. They play on turf at home. I thought it was a ridiculous statistic. I was like, this doesn't, this doesn't really matter. To be honest with you. I was like, the teams, who they play matters. I'm like, this whole turf versus turf thing is ridiculous. But people were quoting that statistic. People were like, oh, Dak Prescott had a bad game against Washington. They're going to lose because of Dak Prescott's turnovers. Dallas always fumbles the football. They always fumble the season 24. They always fumble. You know what I had yesterday? 
I was over at my grandmother's house, again, planning. And you want to know what happened? Yeah, I had my own relatives. My own relatives. One of my cousins, she's a little bit younger, patted me on the leg as she was leaving and saying, it's okay, I'll call you. I will call you to make sure you are okay tonight, 24. Because she's a Steelers fan and she thought that I and my Dallas Cowboys were going to lose. By the way, I'm, I'm re-watching the game right now. I'm getting through the second, getting to the second half, start of the third quarter, Tom Brady. I've seen this game three times. I've seen it three times. Three times! Ooh, Nelly. I've seen it three times. This is, this is my third time. I may watch it a, four, a, a, a fourth time. Saw the Manning cast. Saw the live game. Oh, God. Loved, 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 loved the game. Let's not pretend that people did not think that Dallas was going to lose. They either implied it or they just straight up said it or that they said that Dallas was going to lose because of Dak Prescott's turnovers. Let's not play these games. I can pull clips. I can pull tweets. I can pull Dan Orlovsky saying that Dak Prescott is like the 12th quarter. Where is that tweet? Let me find it. It's very easy to find. I don't know why people lie. And it's like, they pretend. Here it is. Dan Orlovsky had Dak Prescott as the 12th overall quarterback in this year's playoffs. What? And by the way, for some weird reason, he has Brock Purdy as 13th. That's 13th. The quarterbacks that they have, that he has in front of Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy, who easily played the two best games this weekend. Dak Prescott played the best. Brock Purdy probably played the second or third best game from the quarterback position. Quarterbacks that he have in front of them are Josh Allen, who did not play very well this weekend. We'll talk about him. Justin Herbert, who lost. Lamar Jackson, who is hurt and not even playing. He's not even starting. Tom Brady, who Dak Prescott just beat. I'm watching him. Daniel Jones admittedly had a good game, but lost twice to Dallas on Thanksgiving and in September by Cooper Rush and by Dak Prescott. Talk to me about it. How does that feel? Trevor Lawrence, who played against one of the most embarrassing football teams I have ever seen in my entire life in the Los Angeles Chargers and their inability, their inability to do anything right. Winning a playoff game, missing like a 30, 40-yard field goal in the fourth quarter, which get, would have given them the insurmountable lead that they would have needed to have. Just the Chargers are a joke. Geno Smith, who lost this weekend. Kirk Cousins lost this weekend. And then it's Dak 12th and Brock Purdy 13th overall. By the way, I'm about to watch Dak Prescott go back onto that football field. Back out of the football field. And scored another touchdown, top of the third quarter. Tom Brady, once again, is about to go three and out. And just so we're clear, folks, just so we're clear about this, once again, according to Darren Orlovsky about a week ago, went to Africa a week ago, about a week ago, he had Tom Brady as the number seventh overall quarterback in the NFL 2022 playoffs. Again, in front of Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy played two of the best games this weekend. So don't talk to me about, well, Dak Prescott beat scrubs. He beat scrubs. 
Because that's not what you told me last week. What you told me last week was Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys are about to get smacked by Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's what you told me. You told me that Dak Prescott was going to throw two interceptions. You told me that he was probably going to throw a pick six. That's what you told me. We got it on tape. We got the clips. Don't talk to me about Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being a bad team. Don't talk to me about how he didn't look 45 years old. You know what's so interesting? Last week, I saw somebody pull tape. I saw people t- pull tape. Look at what he did to Carolina. I'm like, it's Carolina. They're like, it's Tom Brady. It's, uh, he's awesome. Tom Brady, he's awesome. By the way, I love Tom Brady. But I'm, I'm like, I'm, it's ridiculous. I love Tom Brady. He's the Michael Jordan of football. It's ridiculous what people will do to excuse Tom Brady. Back to Dallas, because I want to make this, I want to make up for missing last night. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it mistaken. Dallas beat a good team. Maybe not a great team. I think their, their offense is average to below average. I think their defense is good. Dallas shredded them. And I warned you, I warned you a couple of weeks ago. I said it then and I'll say it now. I warned you about the Eagles. I said that Eagles game is an anomaly that should have never happened. Not the game in October, but the game last month. And what I mean by an anomaly, I don't mean, oh my God, Dallas played awesome. That's an anomaly for Dallas. No, I mean that the Eagles defensively threw the kitchen sink at Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott took it in stride for the Eagles getting 40 points hung on you by a team that had a pick six in one of the first three possessions of the game, that is a rarity. And they still lost. They still lost. Gardner Minshew put up 34 points. He's like, that's not enough points to win a football game? Zach Prescott said, hell no, not when it comes to playing up against the Dallas Cowboys. So again... It's an anomaly that a football team would hang 40 points up against the Eagles. It was an anomaly, and I'll get into this a little bit later on in the podcast. It's an anomaly that Dallas was able to beat the crap out of a 10-win team in the Minnesota Vikings. Everybody wanted to gloss over it. 40-3 victory against the Minnesota Vikings about two months ago. People glossed over it. People said, that's Minnesota playing at the worst. I'm like, I check, 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 take, go back, check it again. Minnesota tried to establish Justin Jefferson. They couldn't. They tried to run the football. They tried and 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 they they failed. And then what a surprise. They tried and they tried and they tried and they failed against the New York Giants, who I underestimated myself because I still think the New York Giants are a little bit overvalued. I think they're overhyped a little bit. I want to make something very, very clear on this. That is not take away from their win that they have against the Vikings on Sunday or Saturday. But yes, like uh, if this was a bowl game, it would be the overrated bowl. Giants versus Vikings at Minnesota, but back to Dallas. Should have paid more attention to the Eagles game. Should have paid more attention to the Vikings game. Dallas 
was absolutely phenomenal in both of those games. Crushed them. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Until they go out against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they put up essentially one of their best performances in the playoffs they have ever had in the last 20 years. The final score was 31 to, I think it was 13 or 12 or something like that. 31 to 14, my bad. 31 to 14. Absolutely dominating performance. Hold on. I want to mute my computer audio. I apologize for that. Absolutely dominating performance by the Dallas Cowboys. And really, it wasn't even that close because I'm... Again, rewatching the game. It's 18 to 0 right now with 10 minutes, 26 seconds left in the third quarter. And I think Dallas, not I think, I know Dallas is going to score on this drive, making it 24 to 0. And I think Tom Brady goes down the football field and scores on the next drive. And then Dallas goes down and they score their final, like 20, not 20, but they score their final points, making it. 20, not 20, 31 to like zero or something like that. 31 to like six, I think. There is Dak Prescott throwing the, the, uh, like the deep corner route or something like that to Michael Gallup for a touchdown, making it 21 or 24 to zero. And by the way, it would have been worse if Brett Maher didn't miss so many field goals. But I want to talk about Dallas. Because once again, Dallas played a phenomenal football game today, or yesterday, and the implications for it. Specifically, with one, Rain Dakota Prescott. And again, my cousin got this, this wrong. She thought that his name was like Ryan or something like that. I'm like, how dare you put disrespect on Rain Dakota Prescott's name? Rain Dakota! Rain Dakota Prescott! Put some disrespect on his name. Put some respect and not the disrespect on Rain the Pittsburgh Steeler fan. Gave me flack. Pittsburgh Steeler fan. Gave me flack. Let me sit down. Rain Dakota. Rain. His name is Rain as in R-A-Y-N-E. He goes by Dak because his middle name is Dakota. So I, I have no idea how we got there, but okay. I'm like, I have no idea how we got there, but okay. But Dak Prescott played an absolutely phenomenal football game on Monday. Let me pull up his statistics. Hold on. Hold on. Absolutely phenomenal game. 75% completion percentage, 304 yards, four touchdowns, 143.3 passer rating. All of those are season best, by the way. Oh, and no touch, no, uh, not no touchdowns, no interceptions. He had five touchdowns on the day, one running, four uh, for passing. But that's his season high when it comes to passer rating. That is not his season high when it comes to completion percentage. It's not his season high when it comes to yards, but it is his season high when it comes to touchdowns. And it is one of his season highs when it comes to interceptions. At zero. I mean, he's, he's thrown for zero interceptions twice. Uh, besides the Bucks game. Against the Lions, when he came back, 
And then against the Vikings, obviously, best game of the season outside of this game. Dallas goes on a two, three and out drive to start the drive and to start the game. And then I think Dak Prescott, after being like 0-5, 0-6, like not hitting any of his passes, Dak Prescott then proceeded to go 25-28 for the rest of the game. And it was, it was a ball game after that. When I was watching Dak play on Monday, and I noticed this very, very quickly and very, very often, it's so weird how he can flip a switch, you know, almost at the snap of his fingers. Because throughout the regular season, he has had, he is, I mean, it's not that Dak Prescott can't be aggressive and that he can't throw into some really tight windows and some tight spots, but Dak really turned and toned down the aggression for the majority of the game, and he was just like, I'll just take what the defense gives me. Oh, you want the check down? I'll take the check down. I'll take the under route over the deep route. I remember they had these over-under concepts, these, uh, these not even crossing routes, but these, I mean, they were kind of like these, these, not deep over, but these like longer over, like they went from the backside to the strong side. They had a tight end and CeeDee Lamb lined up on the left side. And then they, they, it was like a rolling bootleg out to the right side from the left side of the football field. And I saw Dak, he had CeeDee Lamb on the over, but he threw it underneath to Jake Ferguson on the under. And then Jake Ferguson takes off. CeeDee Lamb gives a great block downfield. And it goes for like 30 yards. It was essentially just a seven, eight yard throw because it was behind the line of scrimmage, but it was essentially like a check down. And because of the play design and the positioning of the players, it goes for 30 yards. There were multiple times where Dak was reading the defense, seeing it. He was just like, oh, nothing's here. Boom. I'm checking it down. And it kept the drive alive. It's fundamental football. And Dak said something interesting in one of his press conferences. He said, you know, some of the stuff that I've been doing is uncharacteristic. I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm all about fundamentals. I'm all about checking the football down. And I'm all about playing safe, semi-safe, you know, playing smart, I guess is a better way to describe it. And that's what he did. He played smart. Played great. He was able to execute. Outside of the first drive, once again, and there are a lot of drops, he was able to execute. And Dallas was just like, yeah, you know, we beat Tom Brady. We beat the Bucks On the road. I don't understand how this isn't talked about more often. Dallas has absolutely been dominated by the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. For the last 30 years. Or technically 20 years. But technically it's like 30 to 40 years. A year ago, they go to New England and for the first time in almost 40 years, they beat New England at New England. And then this year, and I said last year, it's it's a big deal. Big deal. Huge deal that they beat New England in New England. And then this year, they do something even rarer. It's never been done in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. They beat Tom Brady, the greatest football player of all time. They beat him yesterday. At home. On an away game. An away road game. You want to know the problem that Dallas has has suffered with for the entirety of the season? Not season, excuse me, but for the entirety of the last 20 years. Do you want to know what the problem is? Sure, they can win at home. They can win all their, their playoff games at home. They can win them all. They can get home games. They can lose at home like they did last year. 
They can win at home like they did in 2018. But they can never win on the road. They shattered that narrative last night. And let me just be clear on this. By shattered, I mean shattered. Like glass. Shattered it like glass. Again, the final score was like 31 to 14. First time in 30 years that the Dallas Cowboys have beaten a team on the road. That literally hasn't happened in my lifetime. And so, Dak Prescott's monumental completion percentage, the way that he just changed how he was playing. I mean, I'm watching the game right now. I'm watching it. I'm watching, I'm watching Tom Brady slang it. Slang it into the turf. <laughs> but I'm watching it right now. And it's like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just me. I think Dallas, I think Dallas will be fine in the playoffs this year. I mean, I'll say it. I think they're going to be the 49ers this weekend. Interestingly enough, I said that Dallas is going to win by 10 points. I threw it out there. I was just like, everybody wants to shit all over Dallas. I'm like, fine, I'll double down. You think I won't? You think I know that your cards are weak? You think I'm not a poker player? I got ace, ace, the river. Gave me freaking one other ace. I got, I got freaking, um, I got trays right now. What you got? You got nothing in your hand. Nothing. I may get quads. We'll see. Poker reference. But no, my point is Dallas has been undervalued all season because of the 49ers loss. Let's just get, get all the cards out on the table. Everybody has doubted the Cowboys. Oh my God, the Cowboys are going to Cowboy. You know what's interesting? Let me just kind of broaden the narrative here. A lot of people don't like the Cowboys. A lot of people don't want to talk about the Cowboys. I don't really know what people want to talk about. You know? It's weird how I'll see media members tell me, well, I don't, like, why do we have to talk about the Cowboys? Well, what do you want to talk about? I love the Cowboys. I love Tom Brady, even though I'm laughing that Tom Brady lost. I'm more laughing at people who thought that Dallas was going to lose. Not necessarily. I love Tom. I love Tom Brady. He should also retire. He should also retire. He should also retire. I'll say it three times. I'm not going to say it again. Love Tom Brady, but I love the Cowboys. Love the, love the Patriots, but I love the Cowboys. But I got to ask, if I gave you three hours to fill as a media member, and you had the opportunity to fill it, what would you talk about? Because I see a lot of people talking about a whole lot of fucking nothing. I'm interested in football. I'm not interested in these weirdo things that people do. I'm not interested in that. I think it's a gimmick. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's cringy for the most part. But I'm actually interested in the sport that I'm watching. That's what I'm interested in. What the fuck are you interested in? How can you not talk about the Cowboys when they're one of the best teams in the NFL? But if you're not going to talk about the Cowboys, this is the thing that I don't understand. If you're not going to talk about the Cowboys, why aren't you talking about the Chiefs? Why aren't you? Like, it's, it's either the Bills or the Eagles because they're the teams that every single fan base loves, or more specifically the Bills because I'm like, oh my God, J Josh Allen. Oh my God, look at your Josh Allen. We'll talk about him in a couple minutes. But to me, it's, it's ridiculous 
It's like the only thing people can do is complain. Oh, I don't like the Cowboys. And then when they don't like the Cowboys, they're, they just hate on the Cowboys. Ha ah, ha, the Cowboys are going to lose. That's a pretty sad existence to live. I, I had a lot of fun this season. I had a lot of fun rooting for the Cowboys. I had a lot of fun watching the Cowboys play this year. It was so much fun to watch my team be successful and to fucking win. And I think people think that it's like a slam dunk when they're like, oh, Dallas hasn't won in like 30 years. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm a Patriot fan as well. Because in the time that the Dallas Cowboys haven't won, the New England Patriots have absolutely dominated the NFL. It's also why I like Patrick Mahomes as well. Because Patrick Mahomes is a fun winner to watch. I don't just watch the sport for my teams. I watch the sport because I love the sport. I think that's the difference between me and a lot of people. I, like, I guess people get into it because they want to be on TV, which is weird to me. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a millennial and we have phones and we can post stuff on like Instagram and TikTok. And I mean, that's a form, you know, being like a content creator and things of that nature. I don't know. I'm not really juiced up about being on TV or on radio, you know, as, as much as everybody else. Which to me, it's, it's just so weird. It's so weird whenever people are like, I just want to be on TV. It's like, why? Oh, I just want to be on TV. You're not interested in the subject matter that you're talking about? What? That's so weird. I, I'm interested. I like talking about football because I like football. But I, just, I don't understand people who are just like, I get into this business because I want to be on TV. It's just like, you know. I have other interests in sports that I like and that I don't like, but I, I just, I don't understand it sometimes. But yes, for some weird reason, people will just be like, I'm, I want to watch, I, like, I'm going to do these weird segments, these cringy segments that nobody thinks are good or interesting. And they'll just be like, yep, we'll do that for eight years. And then that'll be the high point of my career. And people wonder why as soon as they retire, their networks can bring in somebody else to take their spot because they have done nothing interesting, intelligent, or intriguing over the course of their careers. Nobody cares. Long story, uh, long story short. I don't care. Sheesh, man. Hit a new hobby, you know? There's so many other interesting uh, sports teams in America that you can talk about, but they just refuse not to because it obviously affects ratings. I'm... I'm getting tired talking about it. It's just like, like, grow a pair, talk about other teams or something, but just don't fucking bitch about the Cowboys every single time you get the opportunity to. It's getting old real fast. Nobody cares. Notice how I didn't even name or mention a specific person or entity or broadcast because it's just so prevalent that people want to shit on all over the Cowboys and it's just like well what do you do what happens if I take you out of the Cowboys what do you report on what do you do is there anything that you do that is interesting or fun insightful entertaining no then maybe you should shut the fuck up <laughs> maybe you should shut up anyways Dallas had a great win a lot of people doubted that they uh, that they would win, but of course Dallas did. Tom Brady. Hold on, let me finish off the rest of this tea. Give me two seconds. Sorry about that. 
Tom Brady, once again, did not have a good uh, a good season at all today. Or not today, but this uh this year. Maybe not a good season is the best way to describe it, but this this season, I said earlier in the year that this in August, I said I would think that this is his final year in the NFL. Let's mute my phone. I'm getting a bunch of text messages right now. I said earlier in the year, I thought that this was going to be his final year. I thought that Tom Brady was going to retire after this year. If you want my honest opinion about it, I think he'll probably move on from Tampa Bay. And the reason why is because of Todd Bowles. It's because of Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is a terrible head coach. He's terrible. Todd Bowles and Tom Brady got Brian Leftwich fired today. He got fired today. They fired him immediately after the game. Tom Brady threw 66 times. 66 times. What the fuck is Todd Bowles doing? Todd, you want to know the thing about Todd Bowles? He should have never gotten the job. Give him another year to two years. He will be fired from Tampa Bay as a head coach. Fired. He had four years in New York. One of the most stable head coaches let me burp. Hold on. Excuse me. One of the most stable head coaches for that football team in the last 20 years. They gave him four years. They said, we're going to trust you. We're going to give you four years. Got four years. Did jack shit with it. Went out to Tampa Bay. He's a great defensive coordinator. He's great. Great. He's one of the best. But make no mistake about it. Todd Bowles is not a very good head coach. And it was obvious from day one. I, I watched that Dallas Cowboy game, and I'm thinking to myself, if Dak Prescott didn't play so terribly, if he didn't play so terribly against that game, they probably would have won. He was 19-3. Tom Brady got sacked like four or five times that game. Micah Parsons was hellacious. Hellacious. I'm just like, what the fuck happened? This, this offense goes from averaging like 30 points a game, and now it's like somewhere between 24 to 20. Is losing essentially a touchdown and a half per game. It's insane. Insane how bad the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have fallen on offense. And I don't think it's primarily on Brian Leftwich. I think it's on Todd Bowles. You mean to tell me if I take away Brian Leftwich, that offense gets better? Okay. All right. You mean to tell me that if Tom Brady, that if Tom Brady had a different offensive coordinator, he would perform better? Okay. Tom Brady is probably going to go probably going to go to the Raiders this offseason. Apparently the 49ers are interested or they have reportedly shown interest. If I'm if I'm the 49ers, I don't know why. I don't know why I would. You got Brock Purdy, big cock Brock, the Glock Purdy. Why would you need Tom Brady? And then you also have Trey Lance. To me it's like you have way too many quarterbacks. You got to figure some of this stuff out real fast. Do you have one guy or do you have none? That's the, that's the way that it goes, essentially. If you don't have a quarterback, if you, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. You got to figure this thing out because I think Brock Purdy could actually be pretty good for you. We'll see on Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. I have some thoughts, but I'll share with you those thoughts about Dallas versus the 49ers later on in the week. But Tom Brady, to me, needs to retire. I mean, this game, again, I'm watching it. This game... He was off, man. He was missing balls. He was missing throws. There's a ton of players, a ton of quarterbacks that had great weekends this weekend. Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott. 
Daniel Jones even had a great weekend. And I'm watching the Bucks game, and I mean, it's between, it really is, it's like specifically in the second half, Tom Brady was playing a little bit tighter in the first half, but in the second half, you started to see the wheels fall off the wagon, and you're looking around, you squint your eyes like I am, you turn your head a little bit to the side, and you're like, what is going on with Tom Brady? I love Devontae Adams. I love Darren Waller. I think those are two of the best guys in the NFL to do it. I think those are the two of the best guys at their positions. I think so. I think Darren Waller is probably... I think there's Travis, I think Travis Kelsey. I think it's close between him and Travis Kelsey. You want my honest opinion about it? I think that's I think I think he's better than George Kittle. Some people are gonna talk to me about George Kittle's ability to block. I think Darren Waller's ability to catch passes and run routes is so elite and superior to George Kittle that I think it completely and utterly eliminates George Kittle's ability to be a blocker. And to be honest with you. The way that you can play Darren Waller in the sense of you can use him essentially as an outside receiver. That's the difference between him and him and George Kittle. You can actually use, and even Travis Kelsey, you can actually use Darren Waller as an outside presence and not look and be a moron. That's the shocker to me about Darren Waller. That's the stupid thing. Sorry about that. That's the stupid thing between about me and Darren Waller or about Darren Waller is that you can actually use him like Kyle Pitts and Shannon Sharp back in the day as like an outside presence. If, by the way, I didn't see a whole lot of Shannon Sharp play, but if, but, but Shannon looked like he could actually, you know, be lined up as an outside receiver. And that's my point. It's like, I just, Tom will have essentially one of the top two tight ends in the NFL. And he'll probably have a top, one, two, maybe three wide receivers in the NFL and Devontae Adams if he goes to the Raiders. I don't like the team at all. I don't like the team outside of that. Oh, yeah, and he'll have, actually, Josh Jacobs is one of the better running backs, or he's had one of the better running seasons for running back. So Tom will have a lot of stuff in, in the Raiders, but I think he had a lot of stuff in Tampa Bay. You know, it kind of sucks to see him go from New England to Tampa Bay because maybe not it sucks because he kind of got ousted, but it sucks to see him leave Tampa Bay in the state that it was in and essentially a team that was created for the benefit of him and then to go out from Tampa Bay to the Raiders, which is very similar in the sense of they may not have Gronk. And by the way, apparently Gronk is going to come out of retirement next year as well. He's going to fo- probably follow Tom Brady again. I don't know. I think... I think Tom should probably retire. You know, I mean, there's a lot of personal things going on in his personal life. Obviously, I'm not going to get into it because I, I feel like it's a little bit too personal. I feel like I'm a fly in a, on, on a wall in a horrific conversation. You know, I feel awkward. But obviously, he has, he has a lot of things on his, on his plate right now. I'm like, I don't want to add to those issues. But Tom, I just, I don't think, I don't think the, the way that he played this year, to be honest with you, I don't think is anywhere close, anywhere close to like, 
great, in my opinion. I think it was on, on par with good to average. In some cases, below average. It's weird. It's like he's regressing, you know? It's like he went from, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rookie to a couple of years later, I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL to I'm the best, I'm the best quarterback in the history of the sport to now it's just like he's gone from elite to great. Maybe from, no, it was last year that, that he was still elite. He goes from like elite to like good to average. That Max Kellerman cliff that he was talking about all those years ago, six, seven years ago. He's right. He's right. It's like, damn, Tom Brady is, Tom Brady is kind of falling off. I mean, next year he's going to be 46, man. 46 years old. It's like, is he going to go away from, I get it, Donovan Smith did not play very well yesterday. Or are you really going to leave Ryan Jensen, one of the better centers in the NFL, and Tristan Worse? One of the best, if not the best, right tackles in the NFL? That to me, I don't know, man. That's insane. But then if you're Tampa Bay, right? Do you then wave the white flag and do you just say we're rebuilding? Because I've always thought Mike Evans was such an interesting chess piece. I thought that he was an interesting asset to move. I wouldn't move him if I was Tampa Bay, but I think he would be moved if Tampa Bay was like, we can't afford him or we don't want him or whatever. And Mike Evans is getting towards the end of his career. And by the way, just so we're clear on Mike Evans, Mike Evans does not get enough credit for what he's done in Tampa. Mike Evans is literally a Hall of Famer in his prime and he's one of the best to ever do it. He has never had... A season less than a hundred, not a hundred, less than a thousand yards. He's been dominant throughout his career. Dominant as a wide receiver. And he's really been awesome with Tom Brady. He had 13 touchdowns the first year with Tom Brady. He had 14 the second year. This year he only had six. Again, Tom went from elite to like good. His two best years were essentially with Tom Brady. Outside of the 2016 season and his rookie year. But he's getting towards the end of his career. By the way, he has 10,000 yards. He's getting towards the end of his career. He's 29, but he'll be 30 this year. It's like, do you move on from Mike Evans? Again, I wouldn't, but at the exact same time, it's like, you can't not think about it, you know? You can't not be like, how much is he? And by the way, if I was a GM in the, in the NFL, I'd make a phone call. I'd be like, how much is Mike Evans worth? I think he's worth a first rounder. I think that's fair. I just, I don't know. I think all cards are on the table for Tampa. He's getting paid like $23 million this year. And, I mean, he's getting paid. I mean, and by this, oh, God. Oh, yeah, they're going to have to move some, some people around. They're going to have to do something. And they're going to have to do something real quick. And they probably can't move them because you only save $2 million by cutting Mike Evans. And they are 
four million dollars in the red. Tampa Bay is screwed. They're screwed. Now, next year in 2024, Mike Evans is dirt cheap. I mean, he's only $12 million. But he's also going to be 31 at that point in time. So, we'll see what happens with Tampa Bay. But just a lot of intrigue going on there. Will Tom Brady retired, retire? I, I don't know. I don't think so at this point. We'll see. Honestly, I didn't think he was going to retire last year. I was shocked when he did. But, mm, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Dallas played an awesome game. Dallas could be, Dallas should be commended for it. I think Dallas will probably beat the 49ers this weekend. We will talk about that tomorrow or on Thursday. But Dallas, once again, is a very, very intriguing team coming out. Let's talk about kind of the two the two teams that won this weekend that were really disappointing wins. The Bills and the Bengals. So, Bills playing in Buffalo against the Dolphins with the Dolphins' third-string quarterback and Skylar Thompson. And it was like 14-0 with like I think three or four minutes left in the first quarter or something like that. I forgot, I forgot when they actually scored. But I was like, oh, I don't, I don't need to watch this. I don't need to watch this game. Skylar Thompson on the day would have two interceptions, one touchdown, 220 yards, and he would be 18 of 45. So just an all-around horrendous day. For Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins offense. You want to know what the final score was? 31 to 34. It was close with a backup. It was close. Eerily close. Buffalo didn't score a single point. In the fourth quarter, Dolphins had chance after chance after chance. Their offense just could not get on rack. Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, first couple of drives, had just completely and utterly dropped huge plays. Like Jalen Waddell dropped like a 30, 40 yard bomb that hit him right in his hands. Uh, well, technically, I mean, I think it was a great play. They attacked Tredavious Ward. Tredavious Ward is a slot corner who the Bills, for some weird reason, now think that he is a slot, that he, that he can play outside? He can play outside? Outside? No, he cannot play outside. And so, the Bills have skirted free of kind of the, just this embarrassing loss to a team that they should have completely and utterly dominated. People want to talk about Dallas's loss, or not Dallas's loss, Dallas's win. People want to talk about Dallas's win. Oh, they, they beat Tom Brady, they beat Tampa Bay, and like, like Tampa Bay wasn't a great team. Talk to me about the Bills going up against the Dolphins at home against Skylar Thompson, third-string quarterback. 
Talk to me about the Ravens going up to the Bengals and almost beating the Bengals at home for the Bengals. Tyler Huntley is a backup quarterback. Skylar Thompson is the third guy on the team. And those guys almost beat them. Again, what are you talking about? Going back all the way to my original point. If you're a media member and you just don't want to talk about the Cowboys, then what the fuck do you want to talk about? Because there's a bunch of interesting narratives if you only put in like five fucking minutes of work. Going back to the Bills versus the Dolphins. The reason why they were so in this game was because Josh Allen was throwing interceptions. And look, Josh Allen, and specifically Dak Prescott, let me go back to Dak. Dak has led the league in interceptions over the last couple of months. He has the most interceptions at 15. Do you want to know? And by the way, it's like, it's like, it's like for second place, it's like in a three-way tie. Do you want to know who has, who's in that three-way tie or four-way tie with a bunch of other people for the number two for the second most interceptions over the span of time that Dak Prescott has been playing? It's Josh Allen. He had two interceptions on Saturday. He had two. Or Sunday, I guess. He had two. Here's the reason why they were in the game, man. Josh Allen almost threw for 50% on the day. When I saw that game, again, I went, I went out, I got food because I thought it was over with in the first quarter. It wasn't over with. The Bills completely fumbled the entire structure of the game. They have been playing looser and looser and looser football every single week I've watched them this season. And I thought that they would get a little bit tighter. I thought that they would get a little bit better. I thought that they would get more structured as a football team. And it's so weird because, again, I'm watching the Cowboys game and I'm watching, I'm watching, and I kind of forgot to talk about this a little bit when I was referring to the Dallas Cowboys game, but I'll speak very, very lightly on this. But when I'm watching the Dallas Cowboys versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all Dallas did for about four straight quarters, or really three, was just read off of a cheat seat exactly what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to do. They knew exactly what Tampa Bay was going to do. They knew exactly what they were. They were prepared for it. They were ready for it. They understood what Tampa Bay was doing all day, every single day. And Dallas was just prepared. And they played a really structured, quality football game. And the Buffalo Bills, it's like they get a lead. And you want to know what? I, I also forgot to say this when I was referencing the Dallas Cowboys. One of my favorite things in the regular season about Dallas was their ability, their unique ability to close out and finish football games. It was one of my favorite things about the Dallas Cowboys. And once again, they showcased off that unique skill. Maybe not unique, but that fact, once again, on Monday. And it's like the Bills have just consistently failed to showcase off that exact same skill set. The ability to close out games. Again, if I'm if I can reference the Dallas Cowboys game against Tom Brady, Tom Brady just scored his first points of the game literally at the end of the third quarter. There are zero zeros on the scoreboard, right? We're about to enter into the fourth quarter. They just scored their first touchdown of the game. Everybody's like, oh, Dak Prescott, Dallas, they love to choke. That press, that cowboy, they love jump football games. 
Tom Brady comeback kid. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys on their next drive proceed to score their final points of the game, making it 31-6, to essentially putting the ice, not the ice, but the nail in the coffin, icing out the game for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And by the way, it was the like fourth down play where Dak Prescott is, uh, is like fine. It was like fourth and four, and Dak Prescott finds CeeDee Lamb wide open for a touchdown. It was inside their red zone or pretty close to it. It's like inside their 25 to 20 yard line, something like that. It was a fantastic drive by Dallas. But again, Dallas iced out the game. Dallas scored points, they got first downs. You want to know something interesting? I'm watching this play. Kellen Moore. Chef's kiss to the play design of the game, right? So I always talk about this in regards to the end of the game. And I was watching the Manning broadcast and Dan Campbell had, he was pretty mellow, but he was semi-insightful. It was kind of like he was half asleep. Dan Campbell said something interesting. He said at the end of the game, when Dallas was beating the crap out of Tampa Bay, he's like, be aggressive, be aggressive. You know, you're up, but be aggressive. Still throw the football, still run the football, still have that balance, still attack because you don't want to take your foot off the gas too early. You don't want to take a break, you know? And what Dallas did, first play coming out, coming out, coming out of the end of the third quarter, Dallas, they run a screenplay that goes for eight yards, keeping the ball technically on the ground, but moving the chains. Getting that first down. You don't just want to run the football. You want to get the first downs to extend your drive to take off more clock. That's what you want to do. What you want to do. Everybody says you can't turn it on. You can't turn it on and off in the playoffs. You can't go from being a crappy regular season team to being a great playoff team. And I agree with that. But I also would extend that way of thinking to the concept of this. You can't go from being and smoking one team. You just can't do it. You can't smoke a team in the first half and then go down to running the football to then now, well, we want to go back to how we played in the first quarter. Well, no, now the other team has momentum. Now your team is cold as ice. You can't have momentum. You can't just turn on and off momentum. You have to build it. You have to generate it through preparation, through first downs, through scoring, through getting some confidence, through establishing that confidence. Attacking and exposing the defense. Can't do it. Dallas never took their foot off their gas. Dak Prescott scores. He walks off the field. Dak Prescott walks back onto the field. He scores again. Dak Prescott walks off the field. He goes back onto the field. He scores again. And he does that for four straight quarters. It was only until at the end of the game that they took their foot off the gas. And even Tampa Bay, they're starting to get back into the game, right? It's third and six. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys are across midfield. This is for all the marbles. This is the shut up Tampa Bay. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys convert on third down. Moving the chains. Keeping the drive alive. Making it that much harder for Tom Brady to win the game. And Joe Buck said something very insightful at one point. He said, now you're not just playing up against the score. Now you're playing up against the clock. He's right. He's right. Going back to the Bills. I say all that about Dallas because I want to give you contrast. The Bills almost choked the game away against 
the Dolphins made it close in Buffalo, home game. Buffalo gets pretty loud now in December and January. Real loud. They could not stop Skylar Thompson. I'm calling it. I'm calling it with the Bills because I'm done with the Bills. Their season is over with. If they run, I don't know who they're playing up against next week. If they run into Tampa Bay, it's over with. Not Tampa. If they're running into both red teams. If they're running into the Chiefs, it's over with. If they run up against the Bengals, they both play. The Bengals and the Bills play next weekend. I don't know who wins this game. Right now, I'll have to give it a little bit of thought. I'll shoot my shot. I'll give you a prediction here. But these two teams, the Bengals and the Bills, specifically the Bills, I just, I'm out. I'm out on... I'm out on them as being Super Bowl contenders this year. I think it's the Chiefs that are coming out of the AFC. And um, I think the Bills and the Bengals will, will lose out. Speaking of the Bengals, played kind of a crappy game against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, yikes, man. And what I mean by a crappy game, I mean a really, really crappy game, man. I mean, the, uh, wow. And, and by the way, Ravens, clap it up for yourself. What an all-time choke fest, man. Goodness gracious, actually could have potentially won the game. Tyler Huntley played a pretty decent game, better than Skylar Thompson, 17 to 29, 226 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Joe Burrow had a pretty ho-hum good day, I guess. Tyler Huntley is driving down the football field, gets it to the one-yard line. Tyler Huntley runs a quarterback sneak. But Tyler Huntley doesn't know how to run the quarterback sneak. I forgot who was casting that game, but he goes over the top right? Problem with going over the top is that the play design, I forgot who was casting the game, maybe it was Fox or somebody else, I don't know who. Problem with going over the top as the quarterback is that the whole play design was designed for Tyler Huntley to go forward, not up, because he's got to have guys behind him that are going to be pushing him forward. That's why they held all those running backs in the backfield. J.K. Dobbins was in his livid about the play call. By the Baltimore Ravens, as he should, as he should, because it lost him the game. Because miraculously, Hubbard, Sam Hubbard, a defensive end for the Cincinnati Bengals, freaking takes the freaking ball all the way to the freaking house off of a recovered fumble. And that essentially ices out the game for the Cincinnati Bengals at the one-yard line of the Cincinnati Bengals. By the way, Cincinnati didn't score in that final quarter. Neither did Baltimore. Essentially, what I'm trying to say, the game was tied at 17-17 all. Baltimore was essentially in perfect scoring position to win the game. Tyler Huntley fumbles on the one-yard line. The offense can't do shit about it. And then Tyler Huntley and the Baltimore Ravens offense couldn't go down the football field ever again. Joe Burrow, by the way, was sacked four times. Are we getting deja vu? Joe Burrow gets sacked like eight or nine times against Tennessee. This time next week, it's sacked horrendously on like in the divisional round of the playoffs against the Titans, who really don't have that good of a pass rush. But unfortunately, Joe Burrow's offensive line is pretty crappy last year. You want to know what? All these big free agent signings that happened this year, 
Leo Collins, Alex Kappa. Hurt. We're all hurt. We have backups playing starting roles for the Cincinnati Bengals. And Joe Burrow, once again, got sacked four times. I don't get it. Bengals also have this weird tendency and this weird proclivity to play down sometimes. It's weird. It happened, sitting down now, it happened week two against Dallas where I'm expecting Dallas to get their butts whooped because they just played terribly against, not Cincinnati, excuse me, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the, uh, the week before. This is week one going into week two of the regular season. This is just starting off the season in like September. So Dallas goes home and they play up against Cincinnati. And I'm like, here we go. Joe Burrow's about to pour it on against Dallas Cowboys. And no, he does not. Dallas beat Cincinnati because Cincinnati played down. They couldn't stop Micah Parsons. They couldn't protect Joe Burrow. (coughs) They couldn't run the football. And so what happens? The Dallas Cowboys make enough plays, more plays than Tyler Huntley made, Made enough plays, they won the football game. They're like, damn. What would have happened if Tyler Huntley had scored that touchdown? And I, and I remember J.K. Dobbins was pissed off. He was pissed off because he was like, Tyler Huntley shouldn't have even had that responsibility. I'm the number one guy. I should have done it. And he's right. Unless his name is Lamar Jackson, Action Jackson, Boss Jackson, Lamar Jackson. Lamar's got a lot of nicknames. Probably should use them all. But Action Jackson, Boss Jackson, Lamar Jackson, if he was in that game, he probably would have got it. Lamar Jackson had played, they probably would have won it. If Lamar Jackson was signed, he probably would have played. He tweeted something very, very interesting out after the game. Posted it to IG, circulated around Twitter. He said in Pro Football Focus, uh, put it out on Twitter, He said, when you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you have something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it. Because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you. I like Lamar Jackson. I like like Action Jackson a lot. It's all implication. It's very much on the nose. He's saying, if I was probably paid, I probably would have been out there. Why did you sign Roquan Smith? And again, you know what's interesting? I remember watching Roquan. I was like, he missed a couple of key tackles. Missed some tackles. And I'm watching him play. And I'm just like, you know what? Congratulations. Congratulations. To the fucking... To the fucking Baltimore Ravens. You got what you wanted. You got your, your freaking middle linebacker. You got him. Hey, good job. Great job. You may have lost your fucking quarterback. And your fucking quarterback is easily more important than whatever you have at linebacker. I cannot believe that they absolutely ruined their chances potentially with Lamar Jackson when Lamar Jackson was not is their most important player on their football team. Cannot, oh gosh, cannot even fathom that. By the way, Aubrey Plaza has dyed her hair blonde and goodness gracious, she looks, I mean, 
She's always looked great, but she looks fantastic. I don't usually say that to people who dye their hair. It really suits her. You know, some girls, they dye their hair blonde because every girl dyes their hair blonde. I'm like, Aubrey Plaza dyes her hair blonde, and I'm like, damn, she kind of looks like Ma uh, Marilyn Monroe. She looks beautiful. By the way, mm, didn't watch the new Last of Us again because my grandfather died on Sunday. And I just got around to watching the new episode of uh, The Last of Us uh, today. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I think Sony, you know what? You know what the trend is? Right now, the trend is Marvel superheroes, superhero TV shows, superhero movies, superhero everything, like superhero, superhero, superhero. And nerd culture has been really ingrained into, into mainstream. Like, it's not a weird thing to be like, I'm going to go see the new superhero movie. Like, maybe 20 years ago, people would have been like, ah, nerd! Now those same people are like, oh, I want to go see the new, uh, uh, what's, what's a, the new Ant-Man movie, you know? It's not weird to go see a, uh, um, you know, a, a, uh, um, like a, what, what is it? A, um, a, a, like a Marvel movie, right? But now I think it may be the next, the next thing may be going out and going to see like a video game movie or a TV show or whatever. If they can get it right. I think nerd culture is becoming way more pervasive in a good way. Ooh, this is exciting. So, I, I was, oh God, the, that TV show was, oh my God, it was so awesome. So awesome. Oh my God, I... I'm so excited for episode two. Cannot wait for it. Everything that I wanted. It was such a great TV show. They nailed it out of the park. So great. I'm wondering what they're going to do with it. I'm wondering what other franchises are they going to work with? I mean, HBO and just everybody's just like, wait, people are watching this shit? Now we got to make more. Apparently, Amazon is like, we're going to make God of War. And somebody... <laughs> The director was like, we are going to follow the source material from the video games. And I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, dumbass. Where else are you going to get source material from? I'm like, hopefully you would, like, I don't understand how people literally just don't copy off of the work. They're just like, oh, this doesn't, because they don't play video games. That's the reason why. Hollywood directors, they don't play video games. Apparently the guy that helped create the TV show, the director, I think he's from Chernobyl, Chernobyl, excuse me. He actually played the video game, so he kind of gets it. He also said something ridiculous where he was just like, there, there was like Mario in the 70s, and then there was The Last of Us, and then nothing happened in between. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's kind of stupid, but all right, like, let's dial it back. But I'm very excited for The Last of Us. Great job, great job, great job. I also watched Demon Slayer's newest... Newest, uh, not newest, I saw the movie again, the train movie. Oh my god. So fucking gut-wrenching. You know what? Fuck it, I'll say it. Demon Slayer is one of the best animes ever. It really is. The animation style, the fighting. Watching that movie made me want to watch the first season of Demon Slayer, even though the first season is a slow burn. It's a slow burn, man. But oh my god, that anime, when it fucking hits, it, that shit slaps. And then the, the second official season was only like, was only, um, what is it? Oh yeah, no, never mind. Everybody, 
Oh no, they're talking. Oh no, 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 this is just the movie. The, uh, the, uh, the movie, the Mugen, the Mugen. I don't know how to say it. The Mugen Train. It has like ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a fucking awesome movie. Fucking, I, I cried again when I saw that movie. It's, it's hard not to cry when you watch that movie. Oh my gosh. Now I'm trying to find it. The movie is the only one that's on Rotten Tomatoes that I can find. Mm-mm-mm. Where is it? <clears throat> Regardless, Steven Slayer saw the first season, loved the first season, loved uh, this, loved the, uh, even though it was like 26 episodes, loved the newest season, loved the fucking, loved the fucking, loved the fucking second season, loved everything. <clears throat> Anyways, it was so awesome. I can't even remember the main character's name, but him screaming at the demon as it was running away. He's, he dropped some joke. He dropped like this dope bar where he was just like, you coward. What's his name? Oh, my God. That scene where he's fucking crying his eyes out and everybody is crying his eyes out. And uh, Rin Goku, that's that's what his name is. Rin Goku is fucking dying, dying. And the demon runs away because demons, they can't survive in the sunlight. And this character, Ren Goku, if you have never watched the, uh, the, the anime, he's fought this top-level demon, right? Demons are like vampires. They can't go out during the day. And it's about to be daybreak, and right as he is about to die, the demon, like, detaches his arms and runs away. He can grow them back. He's, like, demons can also regenerate. And... Rengoku, who is this character that is fucking dying, dying on the fucking field of fucking battle, is like, is like, I, I fucking, I, like, uh, like his, like, not his, not his friend, but, but, um, um, I, I forgot his name, but one of the main character of the anime is like screaming at Itanjiro. Tanjiro is fucking Oh my god, is screaming at this fucking demon, and he's just like, You coward! You coward! Like, Ren Goku is... Oh god, it was so awesome. Ah, oh, Demon Slayer is so awesome. Oh my god. I gotta... Like, seeing that... Seeing that anime... Seeing that character arc... Makes me want to go out and get a figurine of Ren Goku. You know, like one of those expensive figurines... Now, that's, that's how fucking good that whole movie was. Oh, my God, that movie. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Anyways. We got to go back, and uh, we got to go, and we got to talk about... Goodness gracious, football. My fucking... I sound sick. <laughs> Or I sound like semi-sick. Jesus Christ. What is wrong with me? Um, it's going through and going over. Going over. Some kind of miscellaneous stuff, and we'll kind of go back to the weekend's football games here in a bit. I do want to talk about some other stuff. So the Cardinals, they hired a former Titans 
front office worker. He is a, what is he? He's a, uh, he was a former director of player personnel. Titans are already fucking up. Not Titans. Cardinals are already fucking up. Reason why I say that is because did you not just watch what the Titans did as an organization? I don't, I really don't understand how these teams of value, by the way, I'm, Again, I'm watching the Cowboys game. I am literally getting an advertisement, an awesome... I completely forgot that Nick Offerman, Ron Swanson, is in The Last of Us. Oh my god, the new Last of Us TV show. I'm not going to say anything about the episode because I don't want to spoil it for you, but I I completely forgot that he is in the TV show. I'm so fucking excited for the next episode. Yes, and the girl that plays Rue is in that... Rue's little sister is in the TV show as well. God, I'm so fucking inside. That's not a spoiler. It's in the trailer. In the trailer. Anyways. Going back to the Cardinals and their new GM. New GM, Monty Austin Fort. It's hired. He's from the Tennessee Titans. And I'm not even going to really quote the quote that everybody's kind of circulating. I'm just going to quote, not even quote. I'm just going to kind of give you a list of like, the mistakes that the Tennessee Titans have made over the last couple of years. Investing into Ryan Tannehill, believing that essentially that they could just run the football with Derrick Henry all day, every single day, and that's it. That's the plan. You know, even though that that plan did not work against the Chiefs multiple times, and it for damn sure won't work up against the Bills now, and potentially it won't even work up against, I mean, it it didn't even work up against your own division. The Jacksonville Jaguars are, are in the playoffs now. We'll talk about it. But to see the Cardinals, who had Steve Kime for almost a decade, now essentially go to a football team in the Tennessee Titans and grab one of their top officials who was partly responsible. I don't care who, I don't care what proximity he was. He was director of player personnel. You're a front office guy. Unless you came out and said, I hated that trade, I'm going to lump you in. But, but probably was in conjunction with the former GM in getting AJ Brown out of town. Turns out they needed him a lot more than he needed them. He's in the playoffs. They're sitting at home watching the playoffs. New GM watching the playoffs for the Arizona Cardinals watching the playoffs. His team's not in the playoffs either. That's why he got the job because Arizona has been terrible this year. And Arizona freaking had to go out and get somebody. <coughs> Traded away DeAndre Hopkins, over-invested into Derrick Henry, over-evaluated Ryan Tannehill, made some terrible drafting decisions, starting with Caleb Farley, which I was just like, no, 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 no. He's not very good, and he's hurt, which is exactly what I thought he was going to be in the NFL. I was like, oh my God, he's hurt? Let me take a swig of water. I'm, am I sick? Again? Am I sick again? Sorry. Anyways, Caleb Farley, he's injury prone, he's hurt, and he's not very good. No surprise there. Same draft class, by the way, as as Patrick Sertan. I was screaming at people. I was like, you are ridiculous if you think Caleb Farley is better than Patrick Sertan. People were like, he has a higher ceiling than Patrick Sertan. I'm like, Patrick Sertan is one of the best corners I've ever seen in my entire life and in college. I cried tears 
I cried tears internally, not outwardly, when the Dallas Cowboys couldn't draft Patrick Sertan because the Broncos were like, we want Patrick Sertan over, over Dallas. I, I was distraught, to say the least. But then Dallas got Micah Parsons, and it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> I still would like Patrick Sertan, but yeah. Denver's probably not going to get rid of Regardless. Going back to the Tennessee Titans. Titans have been really, really bad at doing very, very simple things for about three, four years. And here we are where Arizona hires one of their guys. And it's a very, very complex issue going on in Arizona because Arizona doesn't need a quarterback. They have too many weapons. They're apparently thinking about trading their best weapon in DeAndre Hopkins, which I'm like, why? And um, I don't know, to be honest with you, I wasn't really a huge fan of the whole hate train of Kyler Murray. I'm like, DeAndre Hopkins is one of the most low-key guys on the fucking planet. If he wants out, that's a fucking problem. That's a fucking problem. That does not look good for Kyler at all whatsoever. And let me tell you something. As we have... Just learned with Zach Wilson, and as I will repeat continuously, you cannot have a dude that is not a leader be at that position. You just, you cannot. You cannot have a dude that's just like, yep, I am, I'm not going to lead the team to victory as a quarterback. You just, that's, you are going to essentially just, you're, you're going to have a very, very little success in the NFL. If you think that that's going to work out for you long term. So. <clears throat> Kyler being a questionable leader is news to me, but it's um, it's not good. It's not good. The GM, the quote that the GM put out was egos will not be tolerated in Arizona. Kind of a shot at Kyler a little bit, and I'm like well, dude, your team just paid him a shit ton of money. He's your quarterback. That's why that position matters so fucking much. You know? It's why that position is so fucking imperative. It's why it's it's one of the most important positions on the football field. It's why you got to fucking nail it every single fucking... Every single fucking... Got to fucking nail it. Cannot have a guy that's not about the team at that position. So, new GM for the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know if he gets it. I don't know if he doesn't. It's hard to kind of evaluate these GMs because they're... Hold on. Excuse me. Because they can kind of hide behind the whole... I'm not the head coach, so I'm not coaching the guys and... Sometimes I'll do things, quote-unquote, for the betterment of the team and not for the, um, you know, betterment for the future of the team and not necessarily for the present. And that just means that, that's a fancy way of just saying that they'll just lose football games. They'll do things that lead you to, I really sound sick. It's so weird. It's just like how I literally went from sounding A-OK at the beginning of the podcast and now it's like, holy Christ, I kind of sound a little bit sick. But um, GMs, man, 
little bit harder to evaluate. Titans GM, I already hate because he comes from a bad scheme. I, I, I don't know how people evaluate GMs and directors of player personnel. It's just like, if I was doing, if I was doing his evaluation, I would be like, dude, you've kind of done a crappy job over there at, uh, at freaking Tennessee. Pretty crappy job overall, I would say. And so I'm like, why would you get the job in Arizona? It's almost as if the evaluation process is very biased and somewhat arbitrary. It's, it's not almost like it. It is like it. it. It's very arbitrary and very biased and filled with nepotism. Said it's not really that big of a wonder why teams are historically losers like the Arizona Cardinals. Anyways, I got a what else do I got for you? That's kind of miscellaneous. I got one other thing for you that I think is pretty interesting. It's Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show today. He's talking to Pat. He's talking to AJ Hawk. He's talking to all the boys down there. And Pat McAfee out. He's talking to them about potentially his future. And I'll let you um, let you get a little bit of it here. just want to make sure it'll play. Here's Pat, not Pat McAfee. Here's Aaron Rodgers talking about the future on the Pat McAfee show. If there's a rebuild going on, I won't be a part of that. You know, not, so they have to figure that out. And do they have to figure that out before you decide that you're coming back? Because then there is kind of a timeline, right? Is there, isn't there? Well, a- listen, listen, I don't think any team uh, outside of maybe, uh, you know, the Texans this year or some. There's a couple of teams maybe who might say, yeah, we're rebuilding. You know, Colts. we finished, you know, yep. down at the bottom Colts. of the league and we're, you know, Obviously, we're going to start over new, you know, these teams who have new GM or head coach and you know, dropped in pretty high. They might admit that they're in some sort of rebuild, but not, you know, most teams in the middle of the pack aren't going to say, hey, we're going to rebuild, you know, unless we have a crazy cap situation. So, uh, you know, no GM or president's ever going to say, hey, we're, we're, we're rebuilding. Got it. Um, uh, so that won't, you know. I'm sure that'll trigger somebody asking them, you know, are you guys rebuilding? And, and the answer would be, of course not. You know, we're, we got this and we got that. And, and, but it's a mindset, you know, if they want to go younger and, and think Jordan's ready to go, then they're, then that might be the way they want to go. And if that's the case and I still want to play, then there's only one option, right? That's to play somewhere else. Um, you know, if it's not and they, you know, like, no, no, we you know, still want you to play and, you know, this and that, then it'd have to be, uh, you know, the right situation with the roster. It looks like we can we can win it all because there's no point coming back if you don't think you can win it all. And this is all if mentally you want to commit to an entire year, obviously. Con, which is a huge con- – you have a lot to figure out, dude. Good luck, bro. Good luck with figuring that all out. How- <laughs> okay. I love how Pat McAfee is just like, yep, like, hey, oh, yeah, you got a lot to figure out. Hey, good luck. I'm not, I'm not helping you with that. <laughs> God, I love Pat McAfee. Who doesn't like Pat McAfee? <clears throat> but I thought that was so interesting, that quote of Aaron. I know it's a long quote. But I thought it was so interesting to hear Aaron be like, yeah, like uh, if, they're, if they're rebuilding, I, I don't want to play. And if they're not going to trade me, then I, I don't want to play. I'm retiring. Again, this is, and by the way, if you want my honest opinion about it, I didn't think the Packers were rebuilding. 
I'm like, they have Christian Watson, they have Bakhtiari, they have Jair Alexander, who's a great corner. They have Quay Walker. They have Deontay Wyatt. They have some young players, some young defensive players. A lot of dudes from Georgia. Quay Walker, Deontay Johnson, Deontay Wyatt, and also Eric Stokes. A lot of dudes on defense from Georgia. Weird. Point being is that when it came to Green Bay, I didn't think that they were in a rebuild. I thought that they were ready to go right now. I still think they're ready to go. I think Aaron has got to fucking play better, which he did not play. He was not aggressive. He was not not very uh, uh, consistent, specifically at the end of the season, and then he gets destroyed by Detroit in Lambeau. Jesus. But to me, the reason why they didn't go to the playoffs was because of Aaron. And, I mean, what game was that? I think it was the Eagles game where they put in, or it was one of those games where they put in Jordan Love, and Jordan Love, Love played awesome. And then I was like, why don't, why don't you just, just do that next week? And then they proceeded to, like, lose to the Eagles or something like that, and then it was all she wrote. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. Figure this shit out. You know? But... <clears throat> Aaron, once again, contemplating retirement. It's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, this is the reason why Devontae Adams left Green Bay and is now a Raider. He's just like, yeah, like I, I don't want to play for a team or make a long-term commitment on a team where I don't know if I will have my starting quarterback. Why would I do that? I don't know if he'll stick around. Which is smart, by the way. Some people are like, Devontae Adams going to the Raiders to, or excuse me, from Green Bay to the Raiders was a bad decision. I'm like, eh, objective. It's like, it's, it's objective in the context of, we don't know how long Aaron Rodgers will play football. And once again, this is like the third or the fourth season in a row where he's contemplating retirement. You're just like, well, okay, here we go. Here we go again. Will Aaron retire? I think I said it last year. Or I was like, I don't know. And to be honest with you, I don't care. I don't care if he retires. Let him retire or let him stay. I think Green Bay just made a three-year extension to him. They want him for three years. But I, 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 I don't know. Aaron is just... I mean, he's like a bag of cats, man. I don't know if I'll get something that'll that'll come out and it's purring or and it's happy to see me or it's trying to freaking claw my face off. I just don't know what I'm getting with that dude, man. He's he's so unpredictable. And like needlessly so. I'm like, again, I didn't freaking know the uh, the Green Bay Packers we're contemplating a rebuild. They're just like, wait, you're you're telling me they are? Con- they're contemplating a... I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. <clears throat> we'll see. Anyways, I'll try and go through these pretty quickly. You know what I'll do? Excuse me. I'm a little bit tired. 
some weird reason, as I am podcasting, I am getting sicker. So I will save the rest for tomorrow. And I will see you tomorrow. We'll finish off the rest of the wild card weekend. Don't worry, we will. God, I'm, it's, it's, it's only 10 o'clock and I'm like exhausted. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk about the rest. Ladies and gentlemen, 24th podcast.